All right, uh, it is time. Tuesdays and Thursdays at this time, we join our friend Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter, because when it comes to digging up the the fine print of decisions made in this country, he is the guy that gets it done. Hello, Mr. Tom Korski. Hi, Alex. God, you got a lot of stuff today that I was like, oh, I like that one. Oh, I like that one. Okay. Let me stop with the, start with this one. So we've got two MPs, want to be the conservative leader. Uh, you got Scott Aitchison and you got Pierre Polyever, and they're saying, they're telling the Canadian Taxpayers Federation they're going to repeal the CRA regulation that requires tax filers to report the sale of their home under the threat of a fine of 8000 bucks. And the reason this is important, and we've talked about this a lot, Tom, because you've been following this, is that the CMHC, which has apparently become very activist, and they're not supposed to be, they spent $450,000 on consultants to investigate this proposed $5.8 billion annual tax on home equity. They deny that they're doing this, but this has always been a question of what are, are they going to put this tax on our homes? And now two candidates of the Conservatives are saying, no, not let it happen. Both MPs, and that's a big deal. I agree, Alex. The CMHC has a fetish about taxing home equity. It doesn't matter how many times Cabinet says we're not going to do that. They won't drop it. And they won't drop it because it's big money. And they don't mm-hmm. care if it drives working people who have spent their working lives building up equity in their home. It's the only equity they will ever own. Mm-hmm. They, they, there are people who want to tax that, and it's real money, it's billions. Here you have two MPs, Paul Yevon, HSN, who said, you may notice on your T1 general form that you file with the tax department every year, there's a checkoff. Did you sell property last year? Now, this was not a cabinet order. The Canada Revenue Agency, just on their own back in 2016, mm-hmm. said, we're going to start putting that on the tax form. Now, they say, no, no. This is not to tax the sale of any principal residence. This is in case you had that condo in Florida or cabin up at the lake. That's taxable income. It's always upset MPs because it's a data scoop. They now have a database of the sale of millions of properties we know through access to information. Why would you want that if you don't plan to tax it? Just making up work? That's why you have two MPs telling the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, forget it. It's off the form. Anyone who wants black death, just start talking about a home equity tax. We'll never do it. Yeah. Look, maybe that. Look, I would love the liberals to run on this. If we ever wanted to get rid of Justin Trudeau, this is the issue because I think everyone's head would blow up because you're right. You know, this is my retirement. For a lot of people in the private sector, it's all they've got, um, you know, to put something away for the future uh, and for their kids. So I, I'm glad uh, to see they're still paying attention to this. Meanwhile, you got uh, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino, who every time he opens his mouth, it's just like I just he reminds me of Baghdad Bob because I believe nothing of him. But he's bragging, saying that a record year for illegal firearm surges uh, seizures happened in 2021. And he's talking about the fact that officers seized 900. 108 firearms, including 316 handguns. But in a briefing note that you guys found back from uh, November, um, they have no idea how many guns are being smuggled into Canada. But railway is one of the biggest delivery systems because they don't inspect them. They have no idea how many are coming in and they're not closing this loophole. No, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Mendicino is boasting about what, a, what amazing enforcement they had. They seized 300 handguns. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> you seize 300 handguns on the longest undefended border. 
on on planet Earth, and and this was a big moment for you. They admit in briefing notes, internal memos, the Department of Public Safety says, we have no idea. They don't know. And they say, we don't know how many guns are smuggled into Canada. You talk about rail cars. That was the uh, Immigration Union, Customs and Immigration Union, and testimony, sworn testimony in a parliamentary hearing said, you want to know how to smuggle guns into this country? Put them in a freight car. We don't even inspect them at the border. The railways are not... uh, fulfilling their obligations to have cargo inspection. We're talking freight cars full of weapons that can be smuggled into Canada with almost no chance of being intercepted, says the union representing the inspectors. That's something. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. We'll just ban those legal guns because that's the issue. Um this story gets complex, so I'm going to kind of give the quick and dirty, and I'll let you flush this out, because it has everything to do with SNC, a company that you and I both know has been uh, in court more than likely out of court, because they, they are just always dealing with something that they're accused with, with fraud or forgery or conspiracy, and then they get these deferred prosecutions. Um, the, the SNC scandal that we heard about with Trudeau, not the first time that this company has had to deal um, with, you know, defending bad behavior, but nonetheless, the government's saying, look, we're cracking down on this, we want to make sure that the big Bid rig, you know, the rig, the bidding of these contracts is done fairly. That companies are doing their part, and yet SNC keeps getting these massive contracts. Um, you know, despite having this never-ending track record of breaking the rules, and the Department of Public Works kind of has a direct line to them. Uh, huge. And finally, we see through access to information, you recall the early days of the pandemic, everyone was frightened. Am I going to die? People were hoarding toilet paper. What about the children? (laughs) Nobody knew what to do. But there was one manager in the Department of Public Works. He knew exactly what to do. His name was Sean Gardner. We find out his name yesterday for the first time through access to information. Records obtained by a member of Parliament, Kelly McCauley from Edmonton West. Mr. Gardner... That's G-A-R-D-N-E-R. Millions have never heard his name, but you will now. Mr. Gardner knew just what to do. Alex, within days of the outbreak of the pandemic, he places a contact to an SNC-Lavalin lobbyist. Before you know it, with before the week is out, Lavalin has a $150 million contract for mobile field hospitals that nobody asked for yep. and nobody used. A year later, they were still sitting in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Alex, General Motors doesn't work that way. You can't have some little man in a cheap suit in a cubicle spending $150 million with a phone call. And that's what happened. And of all companies, it was the company charged with conspiracy to defraud the Mm -hmm. taxpayers of Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because you guys have been reporting this for a long time. These field hospitals that were developed to deal with the overflow of too many COVID patients, never were they used. We spent a fortune on them. We kept closing down hospitals, shutting down children, destroying their school, destroying elderly people when we had field hospitals that were built to, to avoid that. And yet they're, they're collecting dust like it, it, it's crazy, Tom, that, that this oh, is... Oh, Alex, the, the value of money, of goods, yeah. that were bought and went straight into the warehouse would make Jesus weep. Hundreds of <laughs> millions of dollars completely wasted.
Yeah, and that's just the start of it because you guys have uncovered so much COVID waste. Um, meanwhile, you've got federal managers. They're very weary. They need time to recover and refresh from the pandemic. We're talking the professional executives of the Public Service uh, of Canada. So they did this in-house survey, and the managers felt unappreciated. 76% are exhausted. 39% are cynical. They they work, what, 51 hours a week, $135,000 annually, but they got to step away for a, a tiny bit to reflect and uh, rejuvenate. And refresh, yeah, 51-hour work weeks. To which the single mom, the cab driver, and the farmer said, 51-hour work week? I, I, we call that Christmas holidays, buddy. Yeah. yeah you know, we all, it's, isn't it true? I'm not a sociologist, Alex. We all live in our own reality, don't we? And you have federal managers, and these are, these are top-level people, and they talk about their exhaustion after 51 hours. And they talk about, we, uh, I need some me time after this pandemic. And to which someone would say, I bet, I wonder if there's a nurse, doctor, or paramedic out there who would have an opinion on that. I wonder. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, just... <laughs> yeah, and not to mention, like, I think people forget because we're so far away from it. Mean, there were months when the public sector just, they were at home. Uh, they were working from home. They got new desks, new equipment, brand new, thousands of dollars each sent to them at home. Um, so th- there was a lot of time when there was not any working in the public service at the federal level. So, yeah, it's it's a bit rich. Yeah, they talk about work-life balance. I love that work-life balance. By the way, the official count is 230,000 federal employees are still working from home. That's by official Mm -hmm. estimate, 230,000. Yeah, and they do not want to go back. Nonetheless, what a stack. you got lots today. Tom, always appreciate your time. Get back to your digging. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you, Alex. Tom Gorski is the managing editor over at Black. Like I swear to God, he, he needs a massive shovel. I think we should pitch in to buy him one because he digs up all the stuff that actually requires the heavy lifting. And that's why I love uh, what they do is because they go through all the fine print and that's how we're finding out about this stuff. So again, subscription-based, worth every penny. And he joins us Tuesdays and Thursdays to unload all of what he has learned at 1045. I'm Alex Pearson. This is The Alex Pearson Show. You're listening to 640 Toronto.